Hello, Michael Antonelli here again. How are you, folks? I'm doing good. Thanks for asking. We have another great interview here for you to listen to. Maybe while you drive to work. Maybe while you drive home from work. Maybe while you sit and cinematically look out of a door onto the gray, cold November landscape. That's right, folks. It's cold. It happened. Somehow it happened. I don't know how, but it happened. Uh, it's getting cold. Soon we'll be under the snow. I hope you have someone to spend your time with, much like I spent time in this conversation talking to our new friend, Brian Costello. Where do we you know him from? You know him from Com Majors, quite obviously. Brian's a great dude. We had a great time chatting about all kinds of things. Once again, not enough time in episode one. We're going to have to do a part two, but Brian's a great guy to give us a lot of insight on living and growing up in somewhere, not Delaware County, huh? Giving us great insights on being a teacher and uh, a lot of other things. And you're going to love it. So if you're keeping score, that's two out of the three com majors that have been on the show of called Big Interview, starring Michael Antonelli, the number one boy of talking. That's me. So there's one left that's got to be on. Will she do it? Will she not? Who cares right now? Because I'm not trying to take the spotlight away from Brian Costello. A great man, a great teacher, a great talker, the gift of gab. Um, we talk about our origin, but uh, I still remember meeting him at Keenan's wedding and chatting literally all night and drinking alcohol, getting all wasted, and then driving home blackout drunk over four hours of a drive. Just kidding about the last part. Didn't do that, wouldn't do that, because that's bad news. Drive sober or get pulled over and get thrown in jail, lose your license, spend a bunch of money. Really fuck your life up. It's not worth it. Call an Uber, sleep in a ditch, whatever you got to do to sleep off the drunk. Because time's the only thing that makes you sober. Coffee don't do it, okay? That's a cartoon. Shower's not going to do it. The only thing that's going to get you sober is time. And really, folks, is that not all that we have is time, our time. The biggest gift we could give to somebody is your time. And that's what I give to you when I give you when I produce and uh, put out these wonderful shows and you give it to me when you listen. And I appreciate it. You take the time to subscribe, rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. I don't use Apple. Rate the highest amount of rating on whatever rater you have, whatever app you're using. Is there a way to rate the show? Rate it the max. Can you write a little review? Write it. Okay. The the better, more detailed. We appreciate because we read them. If you just want to write the word awesome, that's fine too. Like I said, I appreciate your time. 
I appreciate your grit. I appreciate your heart. And you're going to appreciate the hell out of Brian Costello. Please enjoy part number one, part number two coming in the future. And keep an ear out for our next monthly episode. Oh, let me announce here. If you listen to every episode of Doom Thugs, um, I'm going to have to do this announcement on social media or something as well. But on the next monthly, which will be the November monthly, um, November 2022 monthly, we're coming down to the end of the year. Uh, the gang and I are doing a draft. We're drafting our three-player team. Uh, and the three players are represented by what we think are the three best fast food menu items across the board, across all fast food. Um, we each will comprise our team of three, maybe with a backup or something. We'll work that out. But then our three team, three person team, the three on three tournament goes up for fan vote. So we'll each pick our team, then we'll put it out there, and then you, the at-home listener, decide who wins best. Capish? Look for it on our socials, Doom Thugs across the board, unless you're on Facebook, Doom Thugs Podcast. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you follow Com Majors. All their episodes go out live as they're happening. I've been on quite a few. Timmy and I have been on a few. Timmy without me. Okay to me with cat a lot of great stuff over on com majors love that show love watching movies for the show recently watched interview with a vampire brad pitt's such a bitch in that movie just jump out into the sunlight and end your miserable life instead of moping around for five thousand years you bitch anyway enjoy the interview thanks brian bye that hurt big time hey everybody Welcome back, and please welcome, uh, for the first time on the Doom Thugs Network, a good friend of mine, please welcome Brian Costello. Hello, sir. Thank you. This is a a crowning moment for me here. Oh. Doom Thugs debut. Please. Oh, please. Love uh, it. You flatter me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Now... You are a comm major, but please tell t- tell the listener, how do we know each other? Uh, well, we are part of this elaborate universe of uh, <laughs> podcast. Was that, how, how would you describe it? Like, yeah, a, yeah. An interesting array. We're, we're kind of like the um, kind of like one of those Marvel or DC EU movies where Everybody had their own thing, and then we're all pulled together with some insane plot. And at the center of that is one Mr. Keenan Laird. It's all Keenan, right? Keenan is the linchpin in all of this, is he not? Yes. I'm, I'm sure he loves that. We can't tell him that. About I know. <laughs> yeah. he, in, he in no way can know that whatsoever. But, but yeah, I, you know, Jim and I uh, and Katie uh, from Commagers have known Keenan forever. Uh, Jim the longest because he was Jim's neighbor. And then, you know, uh, yeah. And then where, pl- give me you. like the, yeah. uh, give me the origin story of com majors. One of uh, my favorite podcasts I'd say. So yeah. actually it's funny because the origin of it was, was pop addled. Yeah. Um, I was, God, we're almost going on four years now, believe it or not. 
I know that, you know, you've been in this game a long time and obviously Tim and Keenan have been in it longer, but it all centered around uh, Jim's 40th birthday, believe it or not. And uh, I live up in Boston and Jim, Jim and Katie live in Philadelphia. I lived in Philadelphia for eight years, actually, after college. So, uh, you know, I had been down there, but my wife and I moved up here and I was coming down for Jim's birthday and keenan had just thrown it out there that well why don't you and jim come on tim Mm -hmm. you know uh tim wasn't going to be there and we just had a conversation and i had honestly you know i had never i think i had listened to maybe one podcast i had listened to uh chris mcquery's uh uh, Rogue Nation podcast okay. from M- the Empire podcast. So I was not listening to podcasts. Right. And and we did it. And then I, I know Jim and I both enjoyed it. And I started to think, well, you know, maybe this would be something we could do. And did not have a conversation. And then Jim contacted Jim was to me, text me and said, well, what do you think if we had a podcast? And I said, I actually just happened to be thinking the same thing. Beautiful. And it, it started. Now, all of it is Jim is responsible for all of it because I have no technical ability. <laughs> like if you were asking me to now, I used to, I should add in college, I would have been able to do it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I did editing. Um, I was a, tr- a true comm major in all the sense. I, you know, I was my student job was helping running the TV studio. So uh. I, you know, I can video edit. I can do all that stuff. But that was years ago. Right. Uh, but Jim, thankfully, is the uh, the master of all things computer and audio and every, anything that you hear quality wise is Jim. One hundred percent. Jim. Got to have someone like that on a podcast that does all the. Uh, yeah. You know, so and it was just a, it's been a good balance. It's been fun. Almost 200 episodes in. It's wild. Uh, and which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And. You know, the I think it's evolved a lot if you listen to the early episodes mm-hmm. versus now. And, uh, you know, it's just a blast. I, I think, well, you you do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously when we say Keenan and Tim. There, I feel like there's two people in the podcasting world, right? Mm-hmm. There's the people who think they're going to be rich and the people that do it just because they love doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you better be the person who loves doing it because the idea of getting rich off of this medium is, you, you know, like it's like the fools that got in the Conestoga wagon, you know, to go on the California gold rush. I'm going to become rich. Right. You know, you're just, you're yeah. just flat out not going to become rich doing this. No, no, um, no, no, no. But, you know, for me, at least, and I would hope, you know, me, it's just an awesome experience. I get to talk to two people I love, you know, some of the most, you know, best people in the world. And I get to spend a week. So it's a great excuse. And, uh, you know, I've met people like you and, you know, gotten to know Tim, who I never knew prior to this whole thing at all. So that's when we when we joke about Keenan. Keenan did kind of bring this motley crew of different people together. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we, we met awesome. at the wedding, like his wedding. Yes. That's where we actually met in person. Physically met. I had only... I think I had only met Tim even one time prior to that. Really? Right. right yeah. Yeah. Dude, I mean, I might have met Tim back in the day when Jim and Keenan were playing in the band together. Yeah. 
but that was a point where like he would have been Keenan's friend, you know, it was, you know, he might've been there, but I certainly didn't know Tim as Tim. Yeah. Um, or you as you, you know what I mean? It, which is weird. I don't know about for you, but you listen, I listen to your show. Mm-hmm. I listen, obviously pop battled and we're both on that show a bunch of times. So you, you you meet the person who you've listened to and you know all this stuff about, but you've never actually met them. And it's kind of a surreal experience. It is. It is, it is for sure. And it's like um, I had only I had only listened to com majors pre-wedding. So it was like I I I knew and I knew you guys were going to be there and I knew you were there somewhere. And it was during the cocktail hour. And uh, we just happened to be at the table. um with uh, Katie was there, and she asked, uh, "How do how do you guys know? How are you involved here?" And it's always, you know, a little you feel a little weird being like, "Well, because it's I'm from podcasting. That's why I'm here is through yes. a podcast." And then, and then she was like, "Oh, we're coming." I was like, "Oh, great!" And then we basically spent the whole night together, per, yes. pretty much. So how so? Are you where are you from originally? So you lived in Boston. You said you were in Philadelphia for eight years. Yeah, what's your what's your where did you actually, grow up? What's the, tell I me. actually grew up in New York, right next to West Point. Wow! So wow. I actually grew up ten minutes from the military academy. Wow. I actually grew up on um, until and lived until I was fifteen years old on a boarding school campus. My dad was the headmaster at New York Military Academy. Uh, wow! A, esteemed graduate, one Mister Donald Trump believe it or not God. from there also awesome. francis ford francis ford coppola we'll take that that's very that's, cool uh, very cool we'll take that at that one instead um you know and that's where i live so it's about i'd say 40 40 minutes maybe north of new york city um so you know it's suburban new york i grew up with a lot of nypd and uh new york firefighters kids mm-hmm. you know um on the campus, it was actually really interesting. I grew up with a lot of UN kids, UN diplomats kids. Oh, wow. So I grew up playing like basketball and playing after school with these kids who would go to the boarding school. You know, I, I went to the school in town. I didn't go there, but it was, it was a, it was a really interesting experience, actually. Um, and from there, I, you know, after high school, went to the University of Scranton to become a comm major. And that's where I, I met Jim first, then Katie. I actually okay. knew them separately was friends with both of them separately before they even knew each other. Wow. Um, yeah. So, which was really kind of a interesting situation. Uh, and then I, you know, I thought I was going to go into communications professionally. I, I did a lot of stuff in college. I had, uh, you know, I did over a hundred basketball games on TV oh, when I was, when I was there. Um, you know, I did two division three final fours. Now, I, uh, you did these games as like on air talent as, yeah, as broadcast. Yeah, I was play, play, by, play. by play. That's awesome. So That's I did awesome. that, and Jim did some games with me actually our senior year. Uh, um, so that was a blast. I loved it. I, you know, I had thought about it. I actually interned at Axis Hollywood. Wow. In, uh, in New York City. Um, and actually, right, right out of college, I did some, you know, part time work for them. Right. And, um, and then 9 11 happened. Oh, and shit. Uh, I was I was actually work. I was thankfully not working that day. I had actually the week before nine eleven had been Fashion Week and MTV Music Awards. 
So since I wasn't a full-time employee there, I was only able to work so many hours. Right. So they're right. like, they're like, ah, we, we don't need you this week. So you can just kind of go home. Right. Um, and thankfully I was at home when that happened. But, um, you know, that happened. Uh, I had kind of decided after college, I, I wasn't sure that's what I wanted to do. Uh, you know, I was applying the, for jobs to be like a weatherman in West Texas. They, I had gotten yeah. a, some some contact about, but I would have had to be like those fools that attach themselves to pickup trucks and hurricanes, <laughs> you know, yes. or, you know, the, the only other bite I had got at that point was was like in Idaho or Wyoming. I can't remember. And it would have been like covering high school sports, probably making 200 bucks a week. Right. And yeah. I wasn't adventurous enough at that point in my life to do either of those things. Truly so, uproot yourself. Yeah. So I, you know, I always wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this was a joke in college. I don't think people believe me. I said, I always want to coach high school basketball. Yeah. I've been doing it for 20 years now. Um, and you know, I, I was waiting after nine 11 to find a job and got a basketball offer. And they said, you know, if you do this, do you want to sub and we'll pay you? And this is 2001 and I was getting 85 bucks a day. Okay. Um, living at home. Now that's a lot of money when you got no expenses back then. Oh, so I just Hell saved yeah. a, sa- saved a boatload of cash for a year, mm-hmm. decided I wanted to go into education and moved to Philly and got my master's and taught. So, wow. um, that's how I got into teaching. And it, it's interesting cause I almost went back into it. My, um, cousin's husband who I'm friendly with, but they're, they were probably, let's say about 10, 10 years older than us. He had been working at Access Hollywood, which is how I got the internship. So I was kind of his intern, which was super cool. I mean, the mm-hmm. highlight of it was you, we weren't going to find a bigger guy in 90, what was it? Summer 98 X-Files guy than me. Yeah. But I got the, uh, my cousin's husband gave me his premiere passes. So I got to go to like the premiere screening for media for the X-Files movie. That's cool. Which was like awesome. Yeah. Um, but he actually, he's, you know, he's gone on to do huge things. He was VP at Dick Clark Productions. He was the executive producer of Ryan Seacrest, New Year's Eve. He's done the Oscars, uh, all this stuff. But he said to me right when I finished my master's, he goes, I'm going to be made the head of Good Morning America Entertainment. Wow. He says, do you, he's like, do you want to be my assistant? Right. And I was like, no. Right. And I, I never looked back. And that would have been a huge change, obviously, to my life. I would have been in you know, media at that yeah. point. Right. But, you know, the come full circle, though, I hadn't done anything like this for years. And then Jim was like, let's do it. And uh, it's been awesome. Well, I mean, you've it's, always it's, obviously it seems like you have the gift of gab, right? You've you're a good oh, talker. You've always been too, a good talker. Much. I'm yes. sure. I think my mom said like at eight months and. I started talking and never shut up, <laughs> which is a curse. You know, it's, it's, I talk too much. Jim will tell you that. God bless he and Katie for dealing with me for it. We love them. We love them so much. So you're a teacher. You teach. So what grade do you teach? What subject? Give me the whole uh, rundown. Teach, and how yeah, did I you teach. start? Like, was it? It scares so, me. The, the thought of starting to teach is hard. Like, just I'm scared. It is. Of kids. So. 
for, first of all, my dad was a principal mm-hmm. headmaster and my mom was an elementary teacher. Okay. So I, I definitely think that's a piece of it, mm-hmm. right? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, as much as we don't talk about, you know, when I, I teach history, but you talk about like how things used to be the trades, right? So you watch mm-hmm. something like the blacksmith, some becomes the blacksmith. Yes. And the, you know, I feel like we've obviously deviated from that nowadays, mm-hmm. but there's certainly professions where there are through lines. Mm-hmm. And I think probably education is one of them. Um, honestly, I want to say my senior year in high school, I probably thought about it a little bit, mm-hmm. but you're an 18 year old person. You rebel, right? You're mm-hmm. like, well, both my parents are in education. I don't want to do this. Like you get this idea of, I want to be famous. I want to do, you know, I I'd always wanted to announce games. You know, mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, eight, nine, 10 years old, I had a tape recorder and would mute the TV and announce Met games or Knicks games oh, and yeah. record them and listen to them and Absolutely. practice. And, you know, thinking like, oh, I want to do this is, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, so teaching was there, but I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And quite honestly, I'm really thankful I didn't do it in college. Um, you know, went and did it because I think some of the, s- the skills I learned as a, a comm major and just doing some other stuff before I became a teacher is mm-hmm. probably wildly beneficial. And I, you'd actually be really surprised the number of people who are teachers today who didn't go to college for it. And quite honestly, some of the best teachers I work with were either career change people or right. people who quite quickly did it. Because teaching, great teaching is is at least at the high school level, which is where I work, mm-hmm. is is being good with people. <laughs> you know, especially oh, in history, yeah. like yeah. you know, the the content is, you know. Anybody who gets caught up in their content is rarely a teacher that any student remembers or really wants to be a part of. And the, as in a, many ways. the teachers you remember or the best communicators, right? Like that, that it is, that well, you made, gotta be able to, you it, gotta be able to understand and different things, right? So math or science, which I'm awful at, you need <laughs> that, you know, you need that content and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it was, I, I just, I had thought about it and, I loved my time in college. Uh, you know, I edited stuff. I had some stuff on local PBS. I edited, you know, a bunch of stuff. Uh, I love doing the basketball. Jim and I did a late night show uh-huh. and I, and I feel like I, I don't know. I felt like creatively I got to do that stuff mm-hmm. and I was, and I was really happy with that Yeah, in some ways that I had done that. But when I started the coach, I, I mean, I just, that was my intro into it. I just loved it. I wanted to keep doing it. And, you know, being a substitute teacher stinks. But you're like, well, if I actually teach, this might be interesting. Because in essence, I'm putting on a 50-minute show six times a day. Right. You are, you are performing. You are producing. You're producing your lesson for that day. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the audience might be different. I mean, quite honestly, it was very odd during the pandemic. It was legitimately like you were doing a TV show. Right. You know, yeah. Kids yeah. were on video watching you. And uh, but it, yeah, it's scary. It's weird. You know what it does is it makes you I think for me, it was really good. It made me. Grow up faster than I probably would if I were in other industries. Right. You know, at at, at 24 four years old 
um, which now you think is old, right? Like, oh, I'm 24. I'm not in college. I'm a couple years out of college or whatever. I'm 24. Yeah. That's like nothing, man. I mean, the kids yeah, you're yeah. teaching are like, are five years younger than you, right? You mean, it's yes. like, cra- it's crazy. If you weren't um, a student teacher relationship, you could be that like age difference is like nothing. Well, I mean, I, my, you and I are friends brother. and yes. the age difference between you and your students is much less than you and I, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, my brother was that age. My brother, I could have been teaching my brother who was a senior in high school when I was there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's weird. You evolve over time. And, uh, I think it's a, let me tell you this. I think it's a great profession for people who want to do it. I think it's a horrific profession for people who have no interest. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Like if you're Mark Harmon in summer school and you're like, dude, I'm going to get the summer off. uh, This is going to be, that's not the place you want to be in in education. But if you enjoy it, I I do. I love it. It's it's so, it's it's such an important job too. It's such an important job. And teaching history is great. Again, like some people are, are overly concerned with the content and the mm-hmm. content's important. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's all about relationships you build with people. Yeah. And, you know, you get that. I mean, at least at the high school level, you get that energy of being around kids that age. Right. Mm-hmm. There's that, that there's like, there's angst, but there's also excitement and, and they bring an enthusiasm every day. That's kind of super cool. You know, it's not as jaded. You know, you sometimes go to meetings with adults or you spend time around adults and they're just so jaded. Yeah. Yeah. Beat up and tired. Like high school kids aren't that, man. They don't care in the world about no. stuff. You know, they're they just kind of, they got it all. They're just, in living, front of them. They're just living the dream. Yeah. You know, yeah. And you get to be around that for a little bit. So that's, it's, it's a very cool experience. And tell me again, how long have you been teaching? Ooh, so. like 20 years almost so our kids today like you you've seen a lot of kids obviously is there a huge difference in the generation you're teaching now versus the the kids you started teaching uh i guess the simple answer would be yes but i think at the core the answer is not at all yeah kids are reflective to how they're raised Mm mm-hmm so we love, you know, the, the, the trope against the teen. Oh, these kids aren't like we were kids. Well, dude, that's BS. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the world changes the technologies. So there's certain aspects of it, certainly. Right. Like I didn't grow up with cell phones. Yes. Right. So that's going to be a different component. Right. But kids are always reflective to how they are parented. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that never changes. So what's actually changing is how these kids are being parented. Right. It's, it's not the kids, you know, no. the kids don't know kids, kids are so malleable. They'll change. I'll give you an example. We, we institute a policy beginning this year. When you have a beginning of every class, you walk into a classroom, there was a cell phone holder. You have to drop your cell phone in it. Mm-hmm. So they have no access to their phone in class. Yes. Last year it was horrible. I would catch kids watching freaking games of Thrones and you know, all day. Nobody was, it was like, I would have been this, by the way, let me add, I would have been the same thing. Yeah. You know, they're watching strange <laughs> binging stranger things when they should be doing school. Yeah. But guess what? Kids aren't doing that now. Right. Why? Because what did the adults say? We're not going to let you do it anymore. Exactly. That's what they did. They adapted to it. So this idea that, yeah, our kids may be less resilient, less, um, less social in the ways that we were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is that the kid's fault? 
No. The kids are kind of along for the ride, they, they, right? Yeah, they they are they are <laughs> having my own kids. You you really you become aware of the fact that your your kids are a mirror of you right. in many ways. Yeah, they they are going to take on your personality, your mannerisms, and it's not just a you know a genetic thing. It's it's yeah. a social thing. Now, in some cases, that's not true, but it, being in teaching, you absolutely one thousand percent learn that like as soon as you meet the parent of the kid that comes in you're like oh yep see i see this one <laughs> this, this makes complete sense to me right now 100 percent. so so are we are you back up in in the boston area to basically uh business as usual um in terms of like covid stuff yeah i mean yeah you know you're only wearing a mask now if you want to i mean right. if you get covid again and come back uh, you have to wear a mask, but yeah, it, this is the first, what I would say is normal, normal school year, knock on wood. Right. Um, I try not to read COVID reports because like PTSD from what that <laughs> yeah. experience was like, it was, it was pretty horrific, honestly. Being yeah. A teacher. A I, lot of people it, left, a lot of people left the profession. Right. Um, it was, I would say it was. One of those situations, you know, you hear about things like people talk and I'm, I, I just want to say up front, I'm in no way equating this like to wars yeah. at all, mm-hmm. but you hear people who are like in battles and stuff and you're like, you don't realize how bad it is until it's over and you're like away from it. Yes. And like, I remember the end of one of the school years, the first year after COVID and the year just ended and you're just like, you just couldn't focus on how bad it was. Yeah. And it wasn't until it was over and you look back, you're like, oh my God, what, like what was the last like nine and a half months? Like how, how did I do that? How did the kids do that? How did parent, you know, I was parent with kids in school. How did, how did uh, I do that? Right. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was crazy. So, you know, we're back to as normal as we can be. Yeah. And listen, I, I'm sure people have COVID. They're just not taking tests, yes. you know, of or yeah. whatever is going on. But, you know, we're as good as we can be, I guess. Um, you know, yeah, and we'll right. see. <laughs> and we'll see, you know, and I, I don't know, man. Now it's interesting when you teach history. I, I tend to look at things and not get as maybe insane in the short term as other people do. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, for a living, I've taught this for so long. I'm, and I just draw parallels and I think about other things. And I always think about how people at the time were saying, no, this is the craziest time yeah. any Americans ever lived. Like, yeah. You don't understand. This is the toughest time it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So maybe knowing history, you just kind of gauge and be like, okay, yeah, this is effed up, man. <laughs> this is pretty effed up. But, you know, let's take some time, step back and see in like five, six, seven years how where it all kind of plays out. But right. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is difficult. But it was, it's, yeah. But it was, I mean, there's some hallmarks here just as a history teacher thinking like, okay, I'm going to have to teach this before I retire. Now we're some pretty screwed up stuff going on. Yeah. A very interesting time uh, in U.S. history. You know, so much. Do you teach U.S. history? I do. I teach AP U.S. history. AP, baby. Hello. And uh, I teach... uh, like the honors version of history as well. So I do us now, but I've taught, I've taught AP psych, mm-hmm. I've taught AP economics. 
taught world history. Yeah. I'm very hopeful. My film history course is going to be approved for Ooh. next year and I'll be starting to teach film history. I, yeah, you got to get that going. You know, I wish so much that my high school offered anything like that. You know what I mean? Just there was like no option for for no, anything <laughs> like that. I think high schools, I will say this, people talk about if kids change. I think high schools have changed and education has changed fairly significantly. Mm -hmm. Not enough, not enough, probably. But, you know, (laughs) when I think back of how I was taught, (laughs) like it just wouldn't fly today. Mm -hmm. Like the things that were said, the way it was taught, like the, the attitudes, all of it just would not fly today. It was very little taken into account of the student. It was very adult oriented. Right. Um, and I would say that's changed. I think there's still room for a lot of change, but, but the reality, and I know people don't like to hear this because it's tied directly to their taxes, but you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and we are in a massive teacher shortage, mm-hmm. um, you know, up here, the, the top teaching college in the state, the state school, kind of the equivalent of the Westchester that down in there. So a 25 percent decrease in enrollment God, in education. Damn. damn. So that is a seismic issue. Right. We're seeing younger teachers just quit. And I mean, when I say just quit, Mike, you hear stories like. They'll just be on a Wednesday and just go in and say, yeah, I'm done and leave. Oh my God. This is just not like, you know, it's not like a job that you could just fill. Right. I mean, right. you got like 115 kids with no teachers. I mean, there's teachers up here right now, not in my district, but another district. They still don't have Spanish teacher. Oh, man. It's the middle of October. Right. School started in August. That so is. they're just getting like a textbook and saying, here, read this. Figure it out. Every kid. day. Yeah. So it's a big, it's a huge issue. Don't have bus drivers. Don't have substitute teachers. Don't have cafeteria workers. Um, and it's not talked about a lot. And that 25% and, decrease is like not something you'll see now, but that has such great implications for the future. Well, well it's going to be, you already see it. Yeah. You know, now a lot of younger teachers coming out, you know, when if there was an expectation, rightly or wrongly, that when you were a new teacher, mm-hmm. you were going to be the sponsor of the senior class or the junior class. You were going to be in charge of the chess club. You were mm-hmm. going to chaperone the dances. You were going to, I mean, I coached three sports when I started teaching. Yeah. I coached soccer, basketball, and I was a tennis coach. Nice. I was the history club sponsor. Uh-huh. I was ex- basically expected to go to every chaperone, every dance, because I was the 24-year-old kid, right? You, know? you were the newbie. And the, you, you yeah, the and then uh, the other teachers had kids, like I have kids now. Like, yeah. No offense, but you're not going to have, you know, if somebody's got three kids, you shouldn't be asking them to come back on a Friday night, yes. every, you know, once a month. That's, yes, that's, that's a fair. big ask. Yes. Younger people are less interested in doing that. Now. Mm. It is they just they just not interested many of them in doing it as as a profession, and you know they see opportunities that are maybe financially comparable, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're going there, especially in math and science. And I don't blame them, you know, math and science and language and stuff like that. But even you know, give you an idea of history, like we had an opening for just a long term sub. When I started an opening for a long-term sub at my school, you'd have a hundred applications. Yeah. We had like two. 
wow. And this is a really good district, I yeah. work in, by the way. You know, so if that's happening in good districts, right. you, can only, um, you can only imagine what is happening in districts um, that are in decline or having issues or problems where people are like, yeah, we really don't want to work here. Right. Right. You get two applications and the school, you know, on the wrong side of the tracks gets what? None, obviously. And nobody, and and there's no one even there working. Like it's no, and there's, they're already short people. And it's like, so, I mean, and obviously the problem is this in some professions, the answer is solely, we'll just give them more money. Mm -hmm. And, but the problem is that only works to a certain point. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's only works to a certain point where if you're miserable and you don't want to teach, you're just going to leave. It's just not worth the, it's just not worth the paycheck. Right. So I I don't, that's what worries me (laughs) significantly. Like I don't see there's, there's not a ton of young people in the profession. You used to have people knocking on the door and it just seems like that's getting less and less. I don't know where those people are going. Right. Um, but they're going somewhere. What do you do? How do you, like, you know, what do we do? How do we, how does this rebound? Again, maybe it will. I don't, I don't know. I, again, I think all this, we have to look where I I don't know. You you see, you, you probably see it too, right? Aren't there, there are signs for jobs everywhere right now. There are. Yes. So, my big question I have is where where are people? Where is everybody? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm serious. Like, by the way, I get it. I get that some of those jobs were crappy and stuff like that, and there's gonna be less people going back to them and stuff like that. Hundred percent get it, right? Mm-hmm. But how are people making money? Like, dude, that's what I don't understand. Like, you know, in other pandemics in history, lots of people died, more people than died with COVID. Yeah. So it was like, oh yeah, their jobs openings because we lost a lot of people. You go like Black Death or even the you know the the last pandemic in u.s history mm. would that be the this spanish one, flu the spanish the spanish flu which was by the way un- unfairly labeled to the spanish you know how the spanish influenza got the name the spanish influenza tell us please they were the only free press that would publish about it woodrow wilson would not allow the u.s media to publish about the flu it was not allowed to be published about so the only way people were hearing about how bad the flu was was people reading papers coming out of Spain where the press was free and a lot. Thereby, it got labeled the Spanish influenza right? when it was in no way began in Spain at all. <laughs> it's so fucked. <laughs> and, and it was because why? why uh, because they didn't want people to know about it? Yeah, they didn't want, you know, it was in the midst of World War One. Right. I mean, Woodrow Wilson was a freaking horrible person. Yeah. Uh, you know, who was lauded and cheered for years by historians who were ignorant of reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't want the press to make him look bad. Man. He didn't want to hurt the war effort because actually it was getting spread in America because of the military. Right. Because you pulled all these people from different (laughs) countries together, put them in boot camps. They all got it. Then they put them on ships to go over in Europe. They spread it all there. (laughs) So it was like, we better call this thing the Spanish influence. Those damn Spanish. Spanish. And they're free. They're free press and they're late dinners. Damn them. So uh, can I ask you questions like you're my history teacher? Yeah. What? So. Yeah. the Spanish flu, in terms of deaths, was it was bad. Way, was really way bad. worse. Like, like how? Uh, 
God, I'd have to look. I when the pandemic first started, I actually did a whole thing on it. Mm-hmm. But I'd have to go back and look. But one of the reasons was people were dirty as shit back then, man. Right. They <laughs> right. didn't bathe. They didn't bathe. Yeah. Like we talk about pollution nowadays. I mean, Pittsburgh was like living in hell back then with the steel mill. Right. Was, they were like pumping out coal. People were breathing. I mean, everybody on the you know, every other person had tuberculosis. So they got that stuff and they died. Yeah. You know, whereas a big benefit to us, you know, I don't I'm not I don't know enough about disease in terms of like, the strength of viruses and stuff. We're just a cleaner society, right? We were, by and large, a healthier society and we're able to fight that off. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's, by the way, one of the reasons you got to like, people think history, you got to, we are pretty ignorant in history in this. And one of the things that always pissed me off is people, they'll do that like a uh, man on the street about history and they're like, Oh, those history teachers aren't teaching anybody. Hell no, dude. If you're too dumb to listen to your history teacher, that's your own fault. Right. Like people are like, uh, you, why? Well, you should teach the, you should teach every kid that you taught everything about the world. How about you? You have a kid. How about you give him a book? Right. Tell him to read. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, like, you know what I mean? Like here, here, here kid starts what, at home, right? Me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how about you? it's my fault that I haven't taught your, your kid the history of the world <laughs> in, 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 in 50 minutes a day. Like, <laughs> so let me, let me apologize for that. But, um, no, you just teach what you can, but history is full of cool little stories like that. If people are, you know, inclined to read it. But I also think it's important that you know history because there are people who lie about history to yeah. gain power. Yeah. There are people who exploit or lie about history. And, and and if you don't know it, you can be conned into believing it. You start to believe it because you don't know it. And you assume the person on the TV must know what they're talking about. They must know history. So I'll just listen to them. Right. And it's it's unbelievably problematic. I guess the difference between now and other points in history is now everybody has a microphone. Now everybody has access to media, you know, whereas before it was very specific who would get like have that kind of voice. Yeah. Anybody can have that voice. Yeah. So now people's ignorance can be exploited in a global scale instantaneously. Yeah. Uh, And if you don't care enough to, to learn something on your own, if you're just going to take somebody at their word, like, you know, you, sir, are a Renaissance man. You read books. Mm -hmm. If you were to say something about John Wu, I would believe you. Right. I trust you. You're a verified source. And I also know you read that amazing book I can see over your shoulder on John Wu. You are an expert on the man. So I know that, right? Yeah. I know that you've read that. I know I can trust that you are a verified person. Yeah. You know, as opposed to just, ah, oh, this person has a microphone or this person's verified on Twitter. If they say it, it must be true. Right. That's or what our history that's the, what our history is becoming. It's 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 terrifying. It is very very scary how just like you know i mean he's in the news today but like someone like alex jones right it's yeah. like so, way too many people's uh source of their like he is their information whatever he says they believe and that's horrifying yeah, and and then we're supposed to believe today and we'll we'll probably end up on some 
hit list now. <laughs> we talk about this for some lunatic who doesn't know anything. But then I'm supposed to say, like, oh, my God, Alex Jones is found. That's a violation of the First Amendment. The first. Hell no, it's not. No, it's not. The dude was making money off of fools. Yes. And what was he using to make money off of fools? Children who were killed. Yes. That is not the First Amendment. No. But again, but people love throwing that term around, right? They love to throw around the Second Amendment around. They love to throw all these terms around, and they don't have any historical knowledge. And they'll 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 throw out things like, "Well, the founding fathers believed this," and the founding the founding father. This is one of my favorite things I like to tell kids. You want to tell me, "Oh, the founding father, blah blah blah." Dinosaurs weren't discovered by man. The skeletons yeah. until after George Washington was dead. Right. So George Washington had no idea that dinosaurs existed. Wow. Does that mean dinosaurs don't exist because the founding fathers <laughs> didn't know that dinosaurs <laughs> right. didn't exist? Right. Right. I mean, the the founding fathers didn't have a smallpox inoculation, but does that mean I shouldn't get a smallpox? You know, yeah. like, be inoculated from smallpox? Like it's insane. But people love that buzz, and then you'll say, "Well." I, people say it to me all the time, and I'm like, the founding fathers, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, Federalist Papers, right? Oh, yeah, Federalist Papers. I'm like, have you ever read them? Oh, no. I'm like, well, I've read them three times, actually. <laughs> and I'm like, most of the stuff you're saying is bullshit. Yeah. It's, just not, it's just not real. Like, either you're reading it on a QAnon website or you're talking about somebody who is exploiting you for money yeah. or power. Or both. Yeah. I mean, that is, and, and that's the disturbing thing. So when you see people like Alex Jones, there's a freedom of press. No, it's not freedom of press. He, Give me you a know, fucking there's no break. freedom of press right there. Some, you know, he's not going out and saying, don't vote for this person because I don't agree with them and getting jail. Yeah. You know, yeah. let's be real about what, you know, there are countries in this world still today where that will occur. 100%. That is, yes. that is freedom of press. Yes. Making up a story about children who were murdered, mm -hmm. doing that to their family, besides making you one of the most vile people possible. Yeah. That is not protected speech. And also, he didn't go to jail for it. You know what I mean? He's going to see no yeah. real consequences. No. So it's no. like, in fact, he'll he'll use this and to make himself richer. And I hope they take every cent from him. Everything he just. I wish they nothing. went back to the days of debtor's prison, right? Where you would be sent off to like Georgia. That's how it became a colony. It was debtor's prison. <laughs> all the debtors. Are just Send them down to Georgia and let them live off the land or something like that, because that that's the guy that drives you crazy. Those are the people who have no historical understanding. They know just enough to be dangerous. Yes. And they know the buttons to push on people to scare them. And, and it's then the momentum they have just from building such a fucking following is 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 horrifying because it's like no well, no matter what you tell people that are fully invested in alex jones it's not going to change their minds well, it's the like they're already poisoned is, right mike those types of people are like drugs mm -hmm. like how do you, you you know 
you get into it, right? Like, how did he was back in the funny, wacky, oh, alien conspiracy? Yeah. You know, it's just like, so now I'm listening to him. I'm just, this is just a, you know, he's, that's your gateway into it. Yeah. But then you get so deep into it, right? Yeah. That everything he is saying has to be true. Because if anything is false, then the whole house of cards collapse. Right. And are you going to be able to admit that to yourself that you have devoted either monetarily or your, your time or yourself to this person? And it's all a, it's a cult, right? For it's sure. like when you hear people talk about Scientology or any of these other things and they leave, right? It's like the toughest thing is to admit to yourself that you have been fool that you have been conned that you've wasted x number of years of your life yeah like in economics when i taught economics it's like they call it sunk cost right it's like if you're a business and you're not being successful and you sit there and say well i can't close this business because i already spent a million dollars are you going to go flush another million dollars down the drain yeah the sunk cost fallacy right that's what it's called yeah Yeah. is is, is that what you're going to do or are you going to say you know what i was wrong take and yeah. yeah and that's it's difficult to do. We try to tell kids a lot about that, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to walk a line because, you know, when you teach, you have to understand there are going to be kids, for example, in that classroom that are going to have parents that listen to that. Right. And parents are going to believe that. Right. And you, and you do have to be rational about how you talk about it and you have to detach yourself and you just try try to instill in them the ability to question everything that's being said. Right. Well, you I know, think, and as a teacher, yeah. I say that too. You know, I say to them, I'm like, listen, don't take my word for it. Like you are getting my version of history. Mm-hmm. As no matter how I much align to do it, I have, you know, kind of standards and benchmarks I have to stay to, but it this is still me giving you this. Yeah. So you should question it and look at it and be engaged in your own education. Um, and I think one area as a society is we're kind of lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, we like just having things given to us now. So I don't want to educate myself. I want to be educated. Right. right. And I don't, don't want to like, I want to hear the thing once and then that be it. Yes. I don't want to have to go I, look at something else. I saw the tweet. I got it. It's over. I have to do right. more research. I'm not going yeah. to who wants to, who wants to do that? Like this idea that for, for example, like you, mm-hmm. they don't want to read a book on John Boyle. Mm-hmm. They just want to be able to watch the movie and it should be like, why is that dove there? Why is this happening? Like they don't want to understand the symbolism of it. Right. They don't. Mm-hmm. That's why people love reality TV. Right. Mm hmm. It's just there. Yeah. It's just there. It just washes over you. It's not challenging you in any way. It's just giving you. Mm. It's it's here. This is your content. Get it. Move on. Yeah. And, you know, it's not asking you to sit there and think like, wow, what what is this saying? What is my interpretation? Like, do I should I go research some of this? You know, more, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to do in an upcoming episode with Tim and Kat, we're going to do the witch, Robert Eggers. Mm-hmm. He's a director that kind of challenges people. Yes. You have to watch it and think about it and then go read about it. Yes. And a lot of people didn't like his most recent movie, The Northman, mm-hmm. which was about Vikings because they wanted it to be like a Viking movie where people are just killing each other. And that's not what it was. Mm-hmm. And 
for whatever reason, people aren't challenging themselves now. We've, you know, there's, I mean, even the challenge of like Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have to drive anywhere and look at the movies and th they'll just tell me what to order. They'll bring it right to me. They'll do, like all that stuff. Yes. That's why I hate streaming services sometimes where they give me like, you'll like this and algorithm to what I want. I feel like it really shuts down my ability to look. It's just giving me what I think. Like, I don't want that. Right. I know they think people want that because right. that's the easy way to do it. But I, I, that annoys the shit out of me, honestly. I, I, I fully agree. Are, are kids reading? Do kids still read? You know what I mean? It's like, Kids do read. Kids love reading, Good. at least from what I see. Good. Uh, again, that is a byproduct of home. Yes. Okay. You know, it's a byproduct of home. But you know, it's interesting that no, we did the no cell phone policy this year, and now a lot of kids have brought books. Very so nice. if they finish their work, they'll uh, take out their book and they'll read. Still see a lot of Stephen King. You see mm. a lot of, you know, a lot of the heavy hitters from the day. You know, they're reading their books. Uh, in English class and stuff, so they do read. Um, so that that idea, I think, is a little bit off. The attention spans, I would say, are definitely shorter. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, ours are too, but, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, of course. I think that's everybody. Um, they're definitely shorter. But again, I think this idea, like, oh, kids, they spend all their time on TikTok. Who has not gone down the rabbit hole on it, like a TikTok or Instagram? You know, what I mean, even as adults, yes, this is. This is not just a kid thing. That's the shared culture that we're all a yeah. part of. Yeah. So, but yeah, they're reading. They I love read. that. Kids are kids. Kids are great. Uh, honestly, this this is this narrative, um, which has always been the narrative, right? It's, it's like everyone the hates the kids. And that's, by the way, that that's listen. There's two narratives that is that is always BS. One, it's like oh, teenagers are horrible and kids are horrible. Blah blah blah. The other one's like, oh, immigrants are going to ruin our country. It's right. like the same, same like trope, right? Yes. Like this is, oh, it's going to, this going to be what this, this is the group of kids that are awful. Now this we, is the group yeah, of immigrants this is the one. Yes. This is, this is the one. I'm like, dude, the same people have been saying the same thing for 150 years. It's just not true. Yes. Um, there are any, I would say this, almost any with kids, mostly, it's all learned. Right. So, Anything, you know, if you want to resolve a problem with your kid or kids in general, it can be done. They are very receptive. Uh, they're very interested. By the way, they are way more inclusive. That's way, yeah. way more inclusive. Yeah. Way more open. I wish I was as open minded as kids were yeah. in terms of like gender, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Then that's not to say it's perfect. There's still huge problems in the country. But yeah. my God, they are a billion times more interested in in other people's choices and freedoms and, than and I was the, yeah. or anybody was. Even me and uh yeah, it's like good. Those are the good steps that that uh Of course. You know, and it's awesome. Yeah. Fuck man. And I guess that's just that's the that's always how it's been, right? Every generation gets a little bit nicer, a little bit better, right? Well, That's and what one you of the hope. things we always say when we teach like the civil rights movement and mm -hmm. stuff like that is it's when you have a personal experience with somebody who's different than you that that opens up 
you know, it's when African-Americans started to move into suburban areas and be in school and, and, you know, your neighbor was an African-American. Now you're like, you know what? This is crap. Like, why, you know, why is this going on? Yeah. Or, you know, the idea of gay marriage. Think about how crazy you grew up. And I remember being in high school. Oh, gay marriage is never going to happen. Like, how ludicrous is that right now when you think nuts? Right. It's like but it's, it's like because the reason people were so opposed because they quote air quotes didn't know a gay person. Right. You did. But they were terrified to admit it because yes. of society. Yes. Right. Yes. yes. And yes. what happens once you start to have friends and coworkers and that's when you start to see them for what they are, which is people. Mm hmm. And you start to see it. And that's why, like, film is becoming so much more inclusive now. And it's such a better generation for it. And films are way more interesting now because we're finally getting those voices and those things. And we're seeing them. And we're like, wow, like, what were they doing? Right. Why, why, were, we so, why were we so scared of this? Why was this so terrifying to us? And those, they're just much more open to that. And again, this is not a statement that everything's great and woohoo like yeah. we're the best never but is. it's just yeah. but it's yeah. just it is it is definitely better in a lot of areas and they are much better than we are which is yeah when, than at that thank god jim and I, when, when jim and i were talking we we brought up that like when we were in school it was like you never would tell anybody any of your interests because they're you're gonna get slammed right? for yeah i'm not gonna yeah, open terrifying. myself up for that I, yeah so I mean, this idea, all the things that, well, first of all, this is a teenage problem, right? Mm -hmm. the, 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 the greatest thing you can, the greatest moment in your life for just you is when you can understand that your existence does not need to be validated by somebody else, right? right when, yes. when, when you, the only validation you need is you. Yeah. Like I, you know, I love this show and I'm not afraid to admit that. And when we were in, I certainly Jim and I at the same age, you know, I love the X-Files. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going around saying I love the X-Files. No. I oh, know, dude, you can't do it. You know, it's, it was just all B. You look back and you're like, it's such BS. You were living your life mm -hmm. based on some pre-existing construct that somebody created that has no meaning to your life. Right. You were, you, you, you think about high school in particular, like I was concerned about people I have not seen in 25 years. Yeah. Who cares? Right. Like, but, but you did, you, you were ashamed of it or, or you were scared of it. You were scared of being who you wanted to be. Right. And you think of how much time was robbed from you from just expressing that and how many by the way how many better relationships you have with people when you actually get to be who you are right. that's when you get a meaningful relationship 100 and and those kids they are better not perfect but they are better at that way better you kids are just they'll, they'll tell you what they like the music but and they there's like in many cases there's very little shaming at least by the high school time I'm sure middle school still like uh, Mad Max Fury Road Whew, but the high school the, the high schools get a little bit better with that piece of it now yeah I mean and part of that's just I don't know kids are weird like there's so much uh, so much of that comes from well I'm scared to death of uh, 
people making fun of me, so I'll make fun of someone else and all that. Well, it's insecurity, right? It's always insecurity. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there had to be stuff. Like, what about you? What, like, did you ever have a moment when you just felt like you were finally comfortable, like, expressing things that you thought people wouldn't think were cool or stuff like that? And, And how did that feel when that happened? Right. It's trying to think about it. Because right now... I'm completely open. The things I like, I openly talk about all the time and I try to spread them, spread the word about them on Twitter and things like that. But it definitely, you know, the, the residual effects of being in like, you know, eighth grade and, and, and wearing a Metallica shirt (laughs) and then just being, being like like showing up first period like thinking i uh got this new metallica shirt i'm a hot shit instantly realizing i made a mistake and just getting shit all day you know what i mean it's like that shit sucked but but yeah i guess i'm uh, that's just maturing right now it's like fuck yeah i love olivia rodrigo i'll tell everybody that i can but yeah. the, and it it is great but when did that happen? I don't know. Cause I definitely was still very guarded and shy in my short period of time in college and, and things like that. But it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. I, I, I think we all want validation for people, right? Everybody wants to be liked all the time. Anybody who, anybody who tells you like, Oh, I don't want to be liked. I don't care. Like that's a, that's a, a shield, right? That's a wall they're building up. Like, and it's hard to but, separate like, for me, for some people, I'm assuming like uh, it's a problem I personally have. It's like I confuse being liked by someone with someone. I I confuse being disliked with somebody disliking something I like. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yes. Like, no, I know like, what you mean. Like it that. feels yeah. like like it hurts me when someone yeah. dislikes something that I like, which is insane. That's that's an area of my life I need to mature in. But but. Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I just think the idea of be receive validation for the right things. I guess I would almost say right. Like mm-hmm. I, so when you do Doom Thugs mm-hmm. or we do Commagers, I love if somebody's like, "Hey, I listened to the episode. It was great." That like that's a great validation. Nothing right? better. That feels <laughs> that feels awesome. Mm-hmm. That's not the reason I do the show though. Mm-hmm that's not why I'm doing it. Right. You know, I'm doing it for myself. Right. I'm doing it because I love being with Katie and Jim and talking to the people we get to have on. And I love, love, love movies Mm -hmm. that that's the, the validation I get is the feeling I get from recording that episode with them, getting to hang out with people like you and Tim and Keenan and that, that is all I need. A hundred percent. The, 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 and and the the buzz you feel after an episode, and then yeah. like later you text the group messages like that was a great yeah. app, guys, awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. That's that's the that's the that's good what stuff. You, that, that but it takes a, a while to get to that point. So my kids, we talk about like my kids know we do the show, and they're like, oh, is it on YouTube? Like, oh, you're gonna be famous. It's like it's on you. Like, but when even when I was younger, when I started doing and going to college, I was like, the validation would have come through people watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, how many people are watching? I need to know the numbers. I need to know. I need to be constant, and, and I need people need to like it. Yes. And 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 I'm willing to sacrifice what I'm doing creatively to get people to like it, as opposed to doing something creative that makes me feel fulfilled. Yes. 
and and it takes a while to get there. And obviously, it's like everything in age. You got to get older. But when you can make the turn of that corner mm-hmm. to be like, I'm going to do this. And I don't I don't care if five people listen to mm-hmm. this. I'm still going to do this because of the feeling I get and what it does for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And it maybe it doesn't make it commercially successful. And I'm not going to be willing to you know, do TikToks every three minutes to promote it and all that type of stuff. And I'm still going to be fulfilled, even though I'm not going to make a cent off of it. Right. That's great. And now if I could get money and I could get lots of people to listen to it, more the better. I'd be For fabulous. sure. I'll put it out yeah. into the universe any chance I get. If I could do this for a living, I would. You know what I mean? Let me put that out there. Yes. Please give me money to do this. Yeah. But and it's also something I need to work on because it ultimately, yes, doing the show is what I love the most. And uh, it is, though, for me personally, sometimes a struggle to, um, you know, when I put something out that doesn't get, you know, what I think are good numbers or whatever mm. to it's and less so now, obviously, that I've been doing it for so long. I wouldn't keep doing it if that was my main thing, but as I'm growing older and trying to mature and better as a person, uh, the, the, it does sometimes hurt me. Um, of course. Right. I mean, you've done stuff. I mean, I've been on episodes with you where I'm like, and not to be arrogant, but I'm like, this is something people should be listening to. Yes. (laughs) Like I'll listen to another podcast that has like huge following. And I'm like, no, no. Like when we did our cocktail episode, Mm -hmm. So and Bull Durham, when you were on, was another one where numerous people reached out to me. I'm like, I think those are two really fun, good episodes to listen to. That you don't have to know us; Mm -mm. you can listen to that and you could take something out of it. But part of it has to be me saying, okay, I like I have to be happy that that's out there Mm -hmm. and maybe 10 years down the line somebody will listen to it or whatever or my kids will listen to it Mm -hmm. but i'm really proud of it it's something i feel really proud of and thankfully my family's not dependent on that (laughs) like (laughs) pay my mortgage or something so i can have some i can have some freedom but it i mean everybody sits here and thinks right like oh man why why can't i get ten thousand listens an episode or so you know like what but some of it's just some of it's luck. Oh, you know, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Timing. And some luck. of it is. Yeah. So I don't know. I think you just keep plugging along. I do think for me personally, I love that I have this insane record of recordings now. Yeah. That exists with two of my best friends. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, that's yeah. like a treasure like that's what's when you talk about history that's something that doesn't exist we as a society have that like we do this we're doing this project in my class now this immigration project Mm -hmm. about when people's family came over and a couple of the kids sometimes have a picture or something like that you know my great grandkids will have wealth of information yes Uh, and i think there's something that's going to change society that's going to be really unique because i do feel that, you know, the idea that my kids, when they're my age, could listen to me at the age they would be. Yeah. And maybe have an understanding of me 
in a different way. Yeah. Because they'll have that is something we didn't have. No. Which would have no. been really, I just think that's a really interesting sociological thing to think about. Oh, yeah. I think it's great. And I, th- I talk about it a lot, like the, the little snippets I do have of my grandparents, like, um, the, uh, I have like a small journal that, my I, it was like my grandfather was like i'm gonna do journaling now and he you know gave up on it after like a month but i have like a month worth of entries it's like such a treasure and it's like it's it's i'm glad that i have this for my kids if uh to listen to and also has there ever been like there as a collective society we have sp- and and future generations looking back will have so much firsthand accounts of his of events that will be historic. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, absolutely. No, it's going to change the way we live and do things. It's it's almost like a quantum leap. You yeah. can be like Sam Beckett. You can yeah. like quantum leap back into that. Because to me, I don't know. Like I, you, you're younger than I am, so I don't think you've gotten to this point. But like for me now, I really start to reflect about like oh wow, I was. You know, I'm the age my dad was now when I was this old. Mm. Yeah. And it's just really, I don't know. That's just been a really interesting take. You know, just thinking about my kids are getting older now. My mm-hmm. daughter's 10. I'm like, when I was 10, because you're 10, you remember a lot. Yeah. I was like, how was I seeing the world as a 10 year old? And then like to see that dynamic switch is it's it's just really intriguing. So I, I love that. I'm excited. My kids ask about listening to it. I'm like, yeah, not yet. You can't <laughs> wait, 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 wait a little bit here. How, how old are they? 10 going to be eight and going to be three. Whew. That's great. So it's never a dull moment. That is a crew. Yeah. Well, Brian, I have to have you on again in the future because we didn't even touch on coaching which i really want to talk about we didn't oh, talk all about day, yeah. parenting anything so so we're gonna have a part two for sure because well uh, hopefully hopefully people uh aren't bored of me hey we just talked about who gives a fuck we're having fun <laughs> <laughs> well you know this is i have to say obviously love doom thugs but you know how much i love when you and tim chat mm-hmm. it's fabulous and but I will say this. I feel like podcasting is one last idea. C- kind of has become a punchline. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? People like, oh, everybody has a podcast. But, you know, but mm-hmm. it's fun. Yeah. You know, I think I love Jim the most about it because I, I feel like he kind of drove me at first is this idea like being able to express yourself, right? Just be who you want to be. But like I think about getting to know you now, mm-hmm. getting to know Tim. That's like so rewarding. It's such a rewarding experience to meet new people, you know, from different backgrounds, different, you know, vibes and mm-hmm. interests and things like that. It It is, we are a pretty insular society right now. Mm-hmm. So this idea that you can like get to know people and meet them and talk and they, they don't have to be in your pre-assigned lane or, right. you know, age, even age, right? We're a very different age. Like, yeah, that's awesome. I, I I love that. I love it's, it. I love it too. So much fun. And it's like podcasting lets us do like 
how could we do this before? Be one of 50 people in the United States that has, that's on the radio. You know what I mean? Well, we could have been on the CB with the bandit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we could have been ham at radio operators, right? Yeah. Whatever it, that is. It is. Uh, yeah. Again, there's a billion of them, but you can have a great time if you listen to them. And mm-hmm. if you get to know people. It's, it is a, it's a, it's a great hobby. I love being carried around in people's pockets, right? I love being on their phone, then they can listen to me when they're having a bad day and maybe uh, turn it around a little bit for them. I think that Absolutely. is the most rewarding thing. That's I tell this story way too often, but when I think about what I love about podcasting, I think about when the basement I'm in right now flooded, right? So I had to do fucking a bunch of bullshit work like, vacuuming Mm -hmm. up water and throwing it but as i was doing this work i had my headphones on and i was listening to a podcast and i was dying laughing i'm doing the most bullshit grunt work housework throwing out my belongings that were destroyed you know shit that sucks but i but but i was able to but as i was doing it i was i was just doubled over laughing having a great time and i think that is the most when i think about what i want most out of podcasting is i hope that's i can do that for somebody else well that was me when you guys did that uh broken arrow episode yeah when you started doing that reddit discussion i i i I think I stopped breathing for about three minutes. I I would probably put it in my like top 10 hardest I've ever laughed times in my life. That Uh, that's how, that's how amazing that was for anybody who's listening. If you haven't listened to it, it's a muscle. I I mean, literally I can put that up with the first time I watched anchorman, uh, you know, an office episode. It was that episode when you guys, it was just like, if there was like a five minute stretch in there, that I just I had to pause it because I just I I was laughing so loud I couldn't hear the discussion any longer over it. Oh, good! That makes me so happy. Well, Brian, tell people where they can find your show and, and anything uh, else you want to plug. Well, Commagers, we are on all the pod sites, and if you are on Facebook and aren't afraid of the metaverse like Tim, <laughs> uh, we do the show live there. I, yeah. I think we're kind of crazy to do that. I, I you know. It, the the show commagers is what it is if you listen we don't edit it at all mm-hmm. there's no safety net it's live it's basically equivalent of live tv or live it's like a, it's almost i equate it sometimes to in my mind like a, a morning radio show mm-hmm. you know it's just we are what we are and the takes are what they are and sometimes they're good and sometimes they're we'll look back and say maybe not good but we're there we have very little social media presence Mm -hmm. uh if you're gonna follow somebody on social media follow mike because (laughs) i just like (laughs) i love when you were giving shit to the the braves fans and somebody (laughs) wrote something back i was (laughs) braves fans by the way are vile with their their you gotta stop doing the chop gang come but i loved i loved you went in at at them and that was a highlight of my day so follow them there uh you could you can we're on we're i guess we're on social media somewhere occasionally i'll be on twitter with it definitely follow on facebook i say facebook facebook's our home that's where we that's where we are we have every episode there and we're coming up to episode 200 uh if you listen recently we just had mike on for interview with the vampire Mm. uh if you you know obviously you listen to keenan and tim we had keenan on for Lost Boys, Tim is coming up for 
uh, The Witch. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a lot of greets. We're going to have Mike on, hopefully, in the new year for Heat. Oh, it's official? Oh, we'll do that. And oh, we're gonna, oh, oh, boy. Um, oh, it's going to be fun. Brian, I hate to put you on the spot like this, yes. but uh, give you're such a movie guy. Give everyone a movie they should watch. Maybe something that maybe they haven't watched. Okay. Well, I'll, how about I pull one off? I sent you a list yes. of four movies yes. to watch. Um, yeah. So I will say, can I give two? Yes, please. One One is The Taking of Pelham 123, mm. 1970s version, not the Denzel, John Travolta version. We're talking the Walter, the Walter Matthau, Matthau version, baby. Version. Let's go. You might be saying Walter Matthau watch it yes that film was actually recommended to me on twitter uh via a little tweeting back and forth by one mr christopher McQuarrie. hey uh, who's actually recommended very kindly to me a few movies that's awesome um, on twitter uh the other one would be and this is an older movie i like black and white movies uh, a film called the third man by carol reed starring mm-hmm. joseph cotton and one Mr. Orson Welles, oh. which is just, it is peak noir. Yeah. It was filmed in Vienna oh. uh, right after World War II. It is considered by many the greatest British film of all time. Well, fuck. Well, thank you, Brian. Everyone watch those and listen to com majors watch com majors live on Facebook. You can see, you get to see Mike in Coors Light gear. Decked out, head to toe, baby. Love it. And, uh, you know, you're here, so you know to follow Doom Thugs on all social media, follow Super Dino Mike, the whole nine, okay? We got a lot of great shows coming out. I mean, Brian, this show's not going to come out for a while. Okay. We got a lot of good stuff coming out. I can't wait to hear Jim. That's the one. I got to hear Jim. I want another Mike Calls Timmy. I want to know what the monthly, what the next monthly is. We got all those lined up, up. baby. So so thanks thanks for being here, and thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you in a little while. Bye.